Wilderness Podcast. Happy Independence Day, Jordan. I'm thinking of the movie Independence Day now for some reason. And when the big blue energy beam destroys the White House. Right. I don't know why that's on my mind, but that I remember being in the theater on July 2nd or 3rd in 19 was it was 1996 when that movie came out like we were there opening night and I had just got back from an LDS mission a few months earlier and I was just kind of like you know during the headlights naive totally you know getting back into the world and um went with my girlfriend at the time it was a, a an epic love story <laughs> Going on still today. <laughs> so that became Mrs. Jordan? That's right. All right. And uh, I, I think we had to sit in separate seats. I was on the very front row left, and she was the very second row all the way to the left. So we were really there to see the movie. Right. I'm telling you what. And I remember when the aliens started blowing up the institutional buildings. Man, there was cheering. Everybody was super stoked. And I think it had something to do with Bill Clinton being in the, in the White House and that we were in Republican <laughs> Utah at the time. But, well, <laughs> but man, it was, it was like legitimate enthusiasm coming from the crowd of all these Utahns, you know, packed that, in there on opening night. That was one of those, <clears throat> that was one of those movies that was an event. And I, I don't, do we have those types of movies anymore? That's a legitimate blockbuster, right? Yeah. I remember taking some flack because I worked for uh, my uncle. It was So it was true nepotism at the time. I was working for my uncle and it was a, it's a more of a professional office. And the guys that are in there are, you know, uh, finance grads or MBAs or whatever. And so I came back to the office after the weekend and mentioned, yeah, I went to see Independence Day. And they're like, oh, well, what did you think? I said, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, and one guy's like, well, yeah, if you're 13, it's awesome. And I'm like, well, have you seen it? <laughs> it was awesome at the I, time. I'm going to guess that the guy who said, if you're 13, it was awesome, has never had fun ever in a day in his life. He was a Wharton graduate. He's a really smart guy. But it's like, dude. Well, some people are too smart to have any fun. Yeah, come on. Like, what What do you have fun reading? The Wall Street Journal? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I tried well, that. Well, I don't read the Wall Street Journal. It's I, the Kiplinger newsletter. Or I tried blah, the Wall blah, Street blah, blah. Journal. And you know what I found? It's just like all the rest of the trash press. They're, they're just pushing propaganda. Yeah, slightly different angle. But the same ideas. Same it's, it's pro-war, sta pro-fiat currency. By the way, the... The Fed, I think it was the Fed, somebody official is asking us not to call the dollar a fiat currency. <laughs> okay, what? Yeah, I, I was just, I just, I didn't dig too deeply into okay. that. It was a tweet Okay, I saw. so now I'm going to, it's hard for me to tw to source tweets, you know that. Right. So every time we get a tweet. Well, I'm sure there's a Bloomberg or a Forbes story, right? By the way, Forbes is, while I'm just kind of doing a mind dump, by the way, today is Sunday, July 4th. We are recording... Uh, a different day. We a lot of times we record on Mondays, but we are both we are both getting out of Dodge. Yeah, uh, here. So we're yeah. going to do a shorter holiday edition because we both have some family obligations as well. But Happy Independence Day! Happy July Fourth! I just want to remind everybody that today we celebrate a group of a small group of wealthy white men who conspired against the government and ultimately 
violently overthrew the British crown. That's right. Here's what they said. Can I read it? it will this get us kicked off the air? Like we've said this stuff before, but are you going to are, are you going to worse. read the actual declaration? Well, after I'm not gonna. I I want you to have what they told us about in uh, Independence Day. Remember in Independence Day when they're on the airplane, and the president's like, "Why didn't I know about this?" And the national security advisor comes up and he's like, "Well, two words." plausible deniability <laughs> right and uh, i don't know if you remember that scene uh well bobby i want you to have plausible deniability so i don't want to tell you what i'm going to do next but, okay but just just stop talking for a well, second I, because I, I did ask just in fairness i did ask our esteemed governor if it was okay if i shared this radical document that encouraged the overthrow of tyrannical governments like his on social media but he didn't respond. He didn't respond. And I, I linked to the Declaration of Independence, which I'm, is a very radical document. It is a radical extremist document by today's <laughs> standards. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I've actually, as I've been thinking about trying to help people break out of the mind prison, one of the things that I have routinely ended up, one of these projects that I've routinely kind of like just sort of by gravity fallen into is I end up, re I'll write some letter or, or some statement that I want to pass around and get people riled up. And, it, and it's generally a mirror of the declaration, but in modern language. And it's like, well, why don't you just read the freaking declaration here? Right. Here's what it says. Because this is, I'm not going to put it in my own words. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have difficulty not commenting on it. And I'm going to have difficulty not going all the way to the end. But the first two paragraphs, if ever there was divinely inspired material, this is it. And this is what it says. It says, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes that impel them to that separation. Okay, maybe that's, that's logical. It's, it's inspired because it was necessary to set the stage there, but... We don't talk like that anymore. That, but that's that's incredibly concise, beautiful, uh, precise. It, there, there's this precision of language and this eloquence of co conveyance of thought. So, when you have a problem like this, when it's necessary <laughs> to break up, a decent respect to to thinking people requires you ought to explain why. And what your moral basis is. Well, here's the moral basis. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, <laughs> that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, which ends? Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, individual rights, right? Whenever any form of government becomes destructive to, the, to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Ah, uh, but there it is. Safety. They can <laughs> okay. do anything they want as long as it's as long safety. as it keeps them safe. Because the right? word safety's in the Declaration <laughs> okay. of Independence. Right. Game set match. Oh dang it. Okay, well let me just keep going. Okay. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while the evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But 
When a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it's their right. No, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient suffering of the inhabitants of the state of Utah and Colorado and Idaho and Nevada. Okay, sorry. Anyway, they go on and they say, look, here, here is the list of grievances we have. And when you start to read that list, you start to realize, oh my gosh, I know we don't have like a monarchy, but this oligarchy that manipulates and purchases our Congress and judges and, and, and just totally influences, they are, they are performing the same evil actions, perhaps to a far greater magnitude than the king was getting away with in the se- late 1700s. Um, well, the, you know, very, the very first grievance that they list, he has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He's not even obeying the laws of the land. And we see that every day at every level of government where they violate the Constitution, which every state in the United States is beholden to the U.S. Constitution, not to mention state constitutions, which many of them mirror the U.S. Constitution. So right then and there, we see parallels. Right. The one that... (laughs) There's an interesting line, though, that needs needs to be... Yeah, let me tell you my favorite one. Okay. Well, it's not my favorite one. This is the one that bugs me the most because this completely, 100% describes our society. It says... He, so they, the oligarchy, has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat of our substance. Swarms of officers. Has has anyone, anyone listening out there, have you ever been to the Division of Motor Vehicles, also known as the DMV? Or have you ever walked into the Tax Commission building We went through this whole mind exercise, right? When you walk out the door, all the taxes that you're paying and how how you're being harassed and how your substance is being eaten. Anyway, that's the one I would point out. It's a good one. It's a really good one. And it describes our leaders precisely. Right. There's a a line uh, uh, earlier. Um, It says that experience hath shown that mankind are more more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. That describes us because there's a lot of evils that we're just going along with. That we know politicians are corrupt. We know governments are inefficient at best, right? We know that there's all of this crap going on, especially over the last couple of years. And yet we suffer it. We shrug our shoulders and say, that's, ah, you know. Mm. Well, the, the, and that's the way they got us was two weeks to slow the spread. And then, well, we need another two weeks. No, we need, we need a few more weeks. The, they've figured out, right? The, the oligarchy figured out in the early 1900s. And again, we've been through this history, okay? I want to refrain from just jumping off on a long, lengthy tangent to just <laughs> spill my brains out and be like, okay, here's all the details. Because... And that never works anyway, right? It's like, look, you get a, you get a bunch of stuff and then, you know, you want to go take a swim or something <laughs> to clear your head. But uh, it was the early 1900s, the robber barons, the, the moneyed interests, they got control of the money system. And that was it. Guys, 
the last hundred years has just been the symptoms of having lost the country. Okay. We, we, we fully lost the civil war was a big blow war between the war states. between the states. Thank you, Bobby war <laughs> between the states war between the states, which by but, the way, there's some irony that we have to point out. Okay. Celebrating independence day today. And you know, you talk to a lot of people who are so grateful for this country, and you know, I share that sentiment. You ever 100%. ever heard anybody say we're grateful for the freedoms we still have, versus for all the freedoms we have, <laughs> right? As for Americans, the, the ones we have left, the ones the, the ones that are still left, we're grateful we, we for. We now have the freedom to praise the state. That's the the freedom we have left. But the irony is that the principles that the Declaration of Independence stands on. We're not honored when another group of people wanted to declare their independence. Declare their independence from a union that they no longer felt served their needs. Right. What and, people was that? Well, I can't say the word now. The word is is banned. Did they change the name of it, like from Dixie to Polytechnic or something? <laughs> Did you hear about that? Yeah, Dixie State University <laughs> Here in Utah. In Utah is going to be called Utah Technical University. It's it's called Dixie because the Mormons went down south and started farming cotton, and cotton was farmed in the south. Well, it's much more nefarious than that. Because I asked a guy on Twitter. <laughs> okay, I, I did. Well, you know, people were saying, "Oh, it's about time," and I said, "Well, what's wrong with calling it Dixie?" And someone replied, "Really?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes, really. Please explain." Because I wanted, you know, I had an idea where. And he said, "Did you know?" That the guy who founded it, who named it that, I should say, who nicknamed it that, owned slaves? <gasps> and I said, okay, what's the, what's the word Dixie got to do with slavery? Because it's not, it's, not, it's not some code word for slavery. It was a nickname for 11 states. And there's some... There's some historical discussion or debate about how the name came about. Some say it has to do with a $10 bill that they called a Dix, D-I-X. Some say it has to do with the Mason-Dixon line. The origin isn't really important, but I said, okay, and? And he's like, what do you mean, and? I can't even, how, how do you not understand how this is offensive? And, and I just said, I, you're going to have to be I, able to I, articulate I, your point of view here. You have somebody and, that's broken out of the mind prison. You're going to, you're not, you're well, not getting me with your silly I said by shrugging. I and, said, if we can't, we can't rename everything that a slave owner named, we'd have to rename literally everything. And this guy's name on Twitter was Paul something or other. And I said, your name is Paul. Did you know Paul persecuted Christians? I am a Christian. I'm offended. You need to change your name. <laughs> and he's like this is the dumbest thing i've ever heard i'm like yes it is thank <laughs> it is. you <laughs> but but the, the, it's it, they're changing the name it's a virtue signal right it's wealthy white people who run this university who are afraid. they want more money from the state so they want to turn it into a polytechnic college and they're afraid which would be like the equivalent of a of a tech uh Texas Tech or a Georgia Tech, yeah. or a, and this is what this is Utah again being the Me Too state. I've talked about this before on the podcast, right. and it's a perfect it's, example. We're, we're the Me Too people. We want to be stupid too. Please make us idiots like the rest of the world because we it, have to be like them. The word the word Dixie is is not offensive. It's a it's this this Southerner who uh, joined the church and 
he uh, didn't bring his slaves with him, uh, for one. And, and uh, look, back then, if you had money, you probably owned slaves in the North and the South. Right. Uh, and here's just a logistical problem is that for 100 years, the kids have enjoyed painting the Dixie logo, the Dixie word, up on the Sugarloaf. It's the, mm-hmm. one of the few places where the local college has not just a letter, but the whole word painted up. And they right. call it the Sugarloaf. It's a big red. If you're not from Utah, it's a big, beautiful, picturesque uh, city surrounded by red rock plateaus. And so there's, it's obvious that mankind has been there. It's not like they painted it right out in the middle of the nowhere over a bunch of petroglyphs. Right. Okay. It's like right there next to their college, next to the Mormon temple. And it's just iconic. It is iconic. And yeah, granted, not there's not a bazillion million people that live there. But, Close, for, though, but if you know Utah, oh yeah, it's getting to be sort of mini Las Vegas without the gambling and right. a, a mini Mormon Las Vegas. How yeah. different could that be from Vegas? <laughs> it's <laughs> it is a, a, quite a dichotomy. It's, it's kind of grown originally as like a retirement place. Snowbirds from Canada would come down there. And, and now it's yeah, just yeah. A, a, it's a sprawling suburb, but it has some really beautiful areas. But they're they're renaming the school the small little school that no one cares about, and because possibly somebody maybe somewhere. Well, I I've heard from would worry that. Well, I look, heard that it's a ploy for more money. Like there there were clearly always, pe- there are clearly people in the administration that have been opposed to the name for a while, and then so what they did was they conspired together to start a little movement. It's sort of a uh, they used they used the. They want more money from the state, so they use the whole racism thing to get it. Right. That, so it's a it's not really a bait and switch, but it's it's a misdirection type of a play. It's like in football, it's the uh, the what are they the reverse you mm-hmm. the the reverse and I can't remember the name of that play. You you run to the, the right and then yeah, you hand a reverse it the, or an end around end around. This is the name of it. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So you well, you you run in the other direction and one guy runs back. They toss the ball to him, and he runs the other direction, and he should theoretically be able to get around the, the backside of everybody. It's pretty silly. And a few years ago, they did change their name from the Dixie Rebels, because the Rebels... I didn't know that. Yeah, now they're Buffaloes or something, uh, or Trailblazers. Or bla- I think yeah, they're called the Trailblazers. Trailblazers. Which could be construed to be offensive, because who are the Trailblazers? Well, that was Lewis and Clark. Well, and they're out there... What did they do? They, well, they were exploiting Indians and right. making trails through the pristine wilderness. Right, and they instigated a, an era of w- white... They probably burnt destiny. They probably burnt some trees and stuff while they were making fires. I do wonder though now, and I think that um, the, our esteemed governor here in the state of Utah could probably win a Nobel Peace Prize if he convinced the Department of Interior to rename the highly offensive Dixie National Forest. And I already I sent in my my uh suggestion to rename it to utah technical forest (laughs) that's good what what are we going to rename all the zion stuff to because that's got to be offensive to somebody like evangelicals in the south who who think zion is not in southern utah yeah we have a national park yeah we've got um banks yeah like how come you get to be zion's bank right what if I was? I wanted to be. Does that Zion's mean if I bank. bank somewhere else, I will not be part of Zion? I think so. What about the state of Utah? The word Utah is purportedly a Ute word. We are appropriating their culture and their language 
for our purposes. There's Probably, too much money tied up in the University of Utah football program to get that changed. I just mm, want to let you know. They changed their mascot. They're still the Utes, but they used to have a guy with a headdress that would ride a horse okay. on the sideline. No, you're right. I might, I might have been. And now he's a, a hawk named Swoop. Okay, I think I think I probably misspoke. You might be right. They, if they can change the Ute football mascot, they probably can get the state's name changed. What about states like, uh, I think states like Wyoming, Wisconsin, Idaho, are all Indian names. Idaho's just a, uh, the name Idaho comes from a song by the B-52s called My Own Private Idaho. Oh, Okay, so that's not an okay. Indian name. Well, what about Michigan? I think Michigan is an Indian name. See, where do you... Here's the, here's the silliness and the absurdity of all this, is that there are no rules. Well, there I want to no, know if there people no from England, England... Englanders, Englanders uh, people from the Isles of Great Britain, might be offended at, like, uh, New England. New York. New York, yeah. Right. And New Mexico. Are people in France upset about New Orleans? New Orleans. New Orleans. Right. Orleans. We. Oui. Yeah. Well, I've heard that they're pretty upset about that. Yeah. There are protests on a regular basis in France to get the city of New Orleans to change its name because they don't want to be associated with all of those beer drinking Louisiana guys. Yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah. They well, prefer wine. <laughs> Okay, it's they absurd. sure do prefer it's, to wine. This is the whole point is that this is just incredibly absurd. Well, and, well speaking of absurd, the absurdity at least should have some rules that you could play by. No, so there are no so, rules, and of course they're not. That's what makes it absurd. Because I saw a text from a friend recently. I think it was you. Something the Biden administration came out and said, like we're we're uh, the, what last week we were talking about gatekeepers of information. And yeah. this this week, w w you need to declare your mental independence, everybody. We need to, first and foremost, we got to figure out how to be as bold and informed and articulate as now, the Jeffersons I, and the Adams and those guys. Okay. Because listen to what they're actually trying to tell you happened. Before I read the quote, though, I need to... <laughs> Look, if you're going to be bold and like, like those... Extremists, Adams and Washington and, and Hancock. Jefferson, Hancock, Madison. I just, I look, I want you guys to know that if you are worried that you or a loved one has been exposed to some extremism, there is help. Facebook is offering you professional, anonymous help if you have been exposed to extremism online. If somebody you know or love or care about has been exposed or you think they might have been exposed to extremism online, you can report them to Facebook and recommend them for professional anonymous help. And Here's, no, let me read I am the quote not here. joking. Here's what it says. Carl, comma, you may have been exposed to harmful extremist content recently. Violent groups try to ma manipulate your anger and disappointment. You can take action now. To protect yourself and others, get support from the experts. And then it wants you to There's a learn button. how to spot signs, understand the dangers of extremism. This is real. People. Facebook is sending these warnings. Maybe some of you have gotten one. I have not because I don't get on Facebook anymore. I haven't for I a haven't couple of years. I haven't logged in in a long time, but like I'm literally, I want to delete it. I know that I 
by guilt, by association, I'm linked up to a bunch of people like Bobby and they're going to just come, you know, burn my house down because I might be an extremist. But this piggybacks on what we talked about last week with the gatekeeping of information and also kind of what we're looking at this week. This is an incredible, first of all, if Facebook is going to start deciding what is and what isn't extremism, they need to lose their protection as a platform. They're clearly not just a platform that is not responsible for the speech that takes place on their platform. Right. That's They're the shaping. whole idea, right? That's the, why they, they, yeah, that's why they should have all the immunities and whatnot that they have. But when they start to curate and gatekeep the information, then they're they're just a news outlet. They're just a corporate and, outlet. And of course, we know that social media is captured, and that they are they they are they are shaping what we are supposed to believe. But what they're doing is also kind of equivalent of say a phone company deciding to cut off your conversation mid, you know, mid conversation because you don't they don't like what you're saying. And another platform that dabbled in this and got called out and walked themselves back a little bit was MailChimp. MailChimp was suspending accounts from people, from clients that they felt were violating their terms of service. That's that's the blanket term that everybody uses, right? You're violating our terms of service to express opinions that we don't agree with. And MailChimp got called out and they walked back and they restored the account. But see, MailChimp is just an email newsletter provider and they're not responsible if i send out a letter with full of racist hate speech <laughs> however you might define that uh they're not held responsible let's say i used mailchimp to call let's say i had a a, a newsletter list with twenty five thousand subscribers and i put out the call for everyone to commit a crime. Like I legitimately was saying, everybody, we're going to show up at, at a Trader Joe's and we're going to loot and burn the place. Now, there might be some consequences for me doing something like that. Does MailChimp, is MailChimp held responsible? No, and they shouldn't be. Are they supposed to be reading your mail? Should The, the question is, should UPS or FedEx be opening your packages? I mean, are we getting close to that point where it's like, hey, what we need to determine whether... There's contraband in this package. I mean, well, is that where you're headed? Where I'm headed is that we are we are letting people who who have no moral or legal authority to police our speech, police our speech. Who has the moral and legal authority to police your speech? Nobody. Okay, because the way you said it seemed like. We're letting people that have no moral authority. Well, nobody in the sense that there's no central command that gets to decide what is acceptable speech. Who does get to decide is individuals. If there's somebody, if, if, if I received an email from somebody that I had previously subscribed to who said, hey, we're going to go down to Trader Joe's and commit a crime, I can unsubscribe. I can say, I'm not, I'm not into that. I, and I can unsubscribe. So I get to decide what is and what isn't free speech. Now, I know there's legal arguments and there's been court cases. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is opinions. And that's where 99.9% .9 of free speech is, or just opinions, most of them harmless, most of them, you know, whatever. We should have a diverse discord and discussion in our country. And of course, we're being 
pigeonholed into being unified where we can't have a diverse conversation. But I kind of, um, the thing that's, the thing that's really worrying to me is that we're letting these platforms become the arbiters of extremism and hate and truth and, you know, lies. They get to decide what is what. Right. And remember Barry Goldwater's quote, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. <laughs> we, we've allowed the narrative to shift. I don't, I don't know that we've allowed the narrative. It's just that the corporate media has shifted the narrative. I, I really think there's a good 60% of America, maybe 70%, that's kind of just scratching their heads going, are they, are they really going to get away with this? Like, is, who, who else out there really is believing this? And I think the fact that they're losing viewers and that media is becoming ultra diffuse, excuse me, is a good evidence that they totally lack that type of sway. They just, they're able to frame what appears to be the reality. There was an article on Alt Market by Brandon Smith recently about how he had taken a, a trip through the, the Northwest and to some of his, uh, some places he formerly knew. And, and he was trying to say that for most of America, most of the landmass, the people aren't buying it. They're, the, the small towns, the, the countryside, whatever, everybody's just like, again, scratching their heads and they, they're not buying it. They're going along where they have to, to, to run their businesses or whatever. But in the cities, it's burnt. The, the, the mines are burnt. And mm -hmm. so that the problem, I think, with Brandon's logic there, and I'll, and I'll link to this article, it's a good read, is that the cities constitute the majority of the population now. Rural America has no voice because in every state you have some. Trying to think of the correct adjective. Statist. Here. Statist. Statist city. Well, I was thinking of a more dirty word, but <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of blankety blanks that have that have moved to the to the cities and they control the big cities and therefore they control the legislatures and the governorships of these states. And therefore they control most of the land because they're all able to put all these regulations on the people out in the in the countryside and they use these cities and towns and the county apparatuses to enforce the zoning laws and you know all the money comes in it, it doesn't take a lot of money to really cement control over large sectors of the economy and the uh the government just think about this how many members of congress are there 535 roughly or somewhere that's probably an outdated number there's Somewhere in that range. Um, While you're looking that up, do you want me to read this quote? Well, just let me make this point. Okay. There are, there are 535 congressional districts, at least according to the latest or the, the most quick Google search here. So <laughs> caveat, that may not, right. not, searching it up on Google does not make it accurate. But add to that 50 senators, add to that, say, 100 judges in strategic places, add to that 50 people in the White House, right? So we went 535 plus 50, 50 plus 50, right? Well, no, 100 senators. 535, gets 435 is the House, plus 535, or plus 100 gets us to 535, okay. which is House and Senate. Yeah. Add 50 judges, add 50 in the administration. So we're 635. Okay. What are Apple? What fewer are Apple, than a thousand people? What are huh? Fewer, yeah. fewer than a. Do you thousand know what people. Apple computers' cash reserves are? 
Yeah, it's like two point something bill, billion, trillion. I mean, trillion. Cash on hand. Uh, let's see. As of 2021, Apple Computers has 195 billion cash on hand. So I was, I, I got, I was in between. That's just what <laughs> that's they re- between, but I that's guess. what they report, right? Yeah, they just recently were became one of the first, if not the first, trillion yeah, dollar company. Their market right? cap. Yeah. But what I want to point out is, okay, that's Apple Computers. That's cash on hand. Do you mm-hmm. know what that means? That means they have that in the bank. That means they could write a 195 billion dollar check. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't bounce. They wouldn't need to get financing. Right. That means that means if they made a ten percent down payment on a, a two trillion dollar yacht, they could do it, and the bank would finance it. Okay, so it literally Apple computers or Apple and one other two other companies or whatever they could combine together and they could pay every single one of the people in that group of elite um, decision makers, you know, Congress people, representatives, whatever they could pay, every single one of those people, the judges, the the strategic people in the White House, $1 billion <laughs> each. Well, they- and the thing is, for about $10,000, they can get a, a cheap hooker and a cameraman out there and catch 99.9% of those people in, in indiscretion and hold... And, and have blackmail on them. You people, it is not, it's, it's, it's like kindergarten conceivable. It's nowhere at all inconceivable that there could be a conspiracy that has enough money to buy the United States of America's entire governing apparatus, the no, federal government. No, the, the people in our government are far too scrupulous. Are you going to say the word scrupulous? Okay, now read your quote. Okay. Well, listen. (laughs) Remember, just just think back before he reads this. Sorry, Bobby. Remember what happened last year. Remember last summer. (laughs) Push pause. Push pause and say, what happened last summer? And you might remember images of police... Burning police stations. Police stations burning, police cars being overturned and burned, including right here in Salt Lake City. Taking a dump on police cars. Police being shot point blank in their car. Uh, Of course, the Derek Chauvin, George Floyd fiasco. And there was a slogan. Do you remember the slogan that got very popular amongst certain political classes last year? Um, No. It reminded it. Re, it it rhymed with refund the police. Okay, <laughs> does that give you a hint? Yes, I remember. There was the whole defund the police movement, right? Okay, now, okay, now dear was bu- now, dear who, listener, ideologically, which which party was pushing that? Was it the Republicans? Yes. No. Oh wait, sorry. Okay. Was it the libertarians? Sorry, sometimes I get <laughs> caught up in the in, in in the mind virus. Was it the libertarians? No, Some of them, not really. Who was was it the uh, the con- Constitution Party? Uh, by the way, if you don't know that these other parties exist, it's was okay. it the Green Party? Was it the Green Party, maybe. Was it the Communist Party? Possibly, but which party was the most into this? Well, it was the Democrats. Okay, now is it true or not that Donald Trump? ran on a law and order platform like we're gonna get rid we're gonna fix this problem. i think he actually used those words law and order 
I'm running on a law and order platform. That was a terrible Donald Trump. That was an Trump. Anthony Fauci Trump. That was a, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a, guy, there's a guy on Twitter. You mentioned Tyler Fisher before. He does, he, he also, I think he's the same guy who does an amazing Trump. He is like the Trump GPS. Like if Trump was the GPS voice of, you know, your, your GPS. Oh, it's great. We'll have to find that. But okay, let me read you this quote. This is okay. from the press secretary at the White House. Her name is Jen something or other. Um, and I try to, you know, as far as these White House press secretaries go, she's pretty bad. And I don't think Trump had very good press secretaries either. But this this woman is terrible. She's really bad at her job. But she said recently, quote. The president ran on and won the most votes of any candidate in history on the platform of boosting funding for law enforcement after Republicans spent decades trying to cut the cops program. We have you need to always, read that again. We have always <laughs> been at war with East Asia. We've always been at war with East Asia. So you're... <laughs> the president ran on and won the most votes of any candidate in history on the platform of boosting funding for law enforcement after Republicans spent decades trying to cut the cops program. So who was it that started the campaign Back the Blue? Because that was sort of the counter movement to defund the police. You had Back the Blue. Was it Joe Biden? I think it was the Democrats. This, this... This little quote is just, I, I texted it to you, and I think I said something like, well, let's just see. I'll pull up the text. I said, ha, 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 ha. It's amazing. Just textbook gaslighting and blatant lies, Orwell 101. It's incredible. They're literally telling us that what happened, that we all experienced and witnessed with our own eyes, did not occur. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to get here. Oh, how good is it to see me? president right i'm doing great we're doing so good and i am still very much congested but we're figuring it out i got great doctors i'm filming on melania's phone because they're gonna ban it right i call it the taliban it's like a terrorist act with the fake news the fake social media like fake book i call it fake book or shitter right like twitter but shitter because it's also where i did a lot of the tweeting but we have our own platform we're free it doesn't matter who you are what creed color race gender there's like a billion but it doesn't matter everybody can say what they want on my new platform and by everybody of course i mean just me and only me but it's okay that was i didn't know what we were going to get there excuse some of the potentially close to bad language that's a better trump than but, trump but yeah that's tyler fisher and uh that's amazing that's really good and i'm going to link to that on our podcast website so that's worth coming to the webpage to mindvirus.show to see the end of that one <laughs> well uh, oh if we didn't have people like that there'd be more suicides well i was watching tom woods the other day tom woods gave a speech at something called pork fest which i'd never heard about it has nothing to do with pork or pigs it, it was the porcupine freedom festival again i don't know much about this but tom woods if you don't know Tom Woods, you should check him out at TomWoods.com. Tom Woods, if you hear this, consider uh, this plug free of charge. <laughs> we know we'll send uh, lots of listeners to your struggling platform. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Woods is a best-selling author. He's 
Excellent. He's great. Yep. And he's been really good uh, in speaking out um, on the lockdowns and things like that. And he's, he brought up an interesting point. He said that these people, meaning in his context, he was talking about pro-lockdown, pro, you know, pro-tyranny politicians, basically, status. He's saying that they deserve to be ridiculed. And I agree. Oh, yeah. And there's been no shortage of ridicule, especially for certain people on our show here. I know. We're getting to the point, though, where it's like we're we're quoting Isaiah. Who hath heard our report? I mean, he's like, (laughs) he's like, who's listening? I mean, this is good stuff. (laughs) They're, they're such easy targets, and it's but it's not funny because they're so corrupt. I mean, they take your money, they throw you in jail, they right. SWAT team your home. But Tyler Fisher has done a great job of ridiculing some of these people. And and look, Trump, I know we have some pro-Trump listeners. Trump deserves some heat. He, he could have stood up and been a lot more bold and a lot more, uh, spoken out a lot more during the early days of COVID, and he kind of tried, but he didn't. Well... Look, whether you whether you love him or hate him or whatever, uh, and I know we probably have more likers than haters out there in that are listening to our podcast. I just want to say, just my opinion. He will not save us. Trump, Donald Trump is not going to be able to save us. We need to work with our communities, with the people that we know, and expose the absurdity and the irrationality, the cognitive dissonance. We have you have to do that, man to man, woman to woman, well, person to person, and. If we go back to, you know, today's Independence Day, we read parts of the Declaration of Independence. Those men didn't rely on somebody else to save them. They took matters into their own hands. And they worked with their communities. They worked with their states. And they were, you know, representatives of their states. You know, if they if, if you look at the signing of the Declaration of Independence, there, there were they signed it as representatives of those states. Right, it was the Continental Congress. They sent representatives to figure out what to do, and they argued and they they discussed. It wasn't just this, it wasn't just this group of like extremists. There was a lot of debate and a lot of compromise, and ultimately they all decided. Who was it that kind of held out? Was it Georgia? that was reluctant and finally came around. I don't remember. But, but the point is, they, they, they went through a political process to do this. And they knew full well that it would probably lead to war. War with the most wait, wait, powerful wait, wait. army on the planet, by they the way. They went through an illegal political process. Sure, this sure. was not sanctioned by the... Right. Uh, I but mean, it I, was, I, guess, I guess you could say it was sort of it sanctioned, was political, but this was not what King George wanted to have It was political happen. in the sense that they, each state picked these representatives, they sent representatives yeah. to this Continental Congress. The guy, guys from Georgia were Button, Gwinnett, Lyman Hall, and George Walton, by the way. Button, that's an interesting first name. And I don't remember if it was Georgia. I just remember, I think there was a state delegation that wasn't going to sign it. And I think maybe in the movie version, it was like, Benjamin Franklin gave a stirring speech. Yeah, and then he got some more people to sign it. And they came around. But well, maybe uh, maybe not everybody from every state, or not everybody from each state signed it. I mean, you've got like... I think it uh, ended up being unanimous. Massachusetts, John Hancock was the only guy that signed it. Is that because uh, they only sent John Hancock? I don't remember. Sounds like we need to do some more research on our Declaration of Independence history. But listen to the end of this. I mean, these guys had things at stake. You, you realize that... Well, they uh, knew they were going to go to war. 
This was going the British, to cause a war. The British crown chased them down, burnt their estates. I mean, they literally came after the signers. They, and this is exactly what you see in media right now. You come after the people who speak up. So, like, you, I, I guess I'll, I'll look for it here in a second. But they said um, these colonies, these united colonies, are and of a right ought to be free and independent states. They're absolved from all allegiance to the British crown. And political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, to conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of a right do. For the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. I mean, these guys were talking for their state, but they were talking for themselves as wealthy, wealthy landowners. They had so much more to lose than we theoretically. I mean, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but well, not only they had way more to lose. They had a lot to lose, and they also knew that they were committing the nation, well, or the colonies, the states, to war, to war with the most powerful army the world had ever known. To date. At that time. Yeah, I and mean, remember, about, Rome Rome only controlled the Mediterranean. The British, the sun never set on the British Empire. Think about, I was, I was thinking about this today because today in LDS uh, tradition is Fast Sunday, which means that we abstain from food. We, we, abstain we from do a food. fast meeting, which means it's over fast. <laughs> and we, we have people, uh, anybody who wants can stand up and talk at the pulpit and to a man today and again i'm not condemning this or but they all talked about the 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 country and the freedoms and and the founding fathers and and all and that's great but i got thinking how differently would we think about these men if their names would even be known and i think they would be had the british won the war first of all i think the declaration of independence would have been erased we wouldn't have we'd never know about it and the names Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, etc., would be known among the greatest traitors to ever live. And we probably would know their names, and we would be frightened into remembering how Right, and Bobby's not saying all those guys signed the Declaration. They didn't all sign the Declaration, but they're the But, the fathers you know, the, the traditional country, founding right? the traditional fathers founding that we fathers, think about. Yeah. yeah. And, so, of course, the names on the— on the declaration, even that there was what fifty six signers of the declaration, something like that. We don't know most of those names. No, you you'd have a hard time getting somebody to 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 um to be able to repeat those names. But let me read this. This is a but qu- because we won the war. Yeah. Because the rebellion was successful. Yeah. We celebrate them. But. We as, don't. As we don't we really should. celebrate them. We we've forgotten to celebrate them. I hope that this little well, little, little segment here is a celebration for in them. In certain circles, they're still celebrating. Listen to this though. This is what happened to the signers. Uh, just a quick search brought me up to this article. Five signers were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine fought in the War of Independence and died from wounds and hardships they suffered. Two lost their sons in the Continental Army. Another two had sons captured. At least a dozen of the 56 had their homes pillaged and burned. What kind of men were they? 25 were lawyers or jurists. 11 were merchants. Nine were farmers or large plantation owners. One was a teacher, one a musician, one a printer. So if this was uh, 
uh, like our Congress today, it would be 97% were lawyers. <laughs> right. The other... and, and one was a bartender that some lawyers <laughs> co-opted into running in New York. <laughs> the, these were men of means and education, yet they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the penalty of death that they might receive if they were captured. In the face of the advancing British Army, the Continental Congress fled from Philadelphia to Baltimore in December of 1776. It was especially an anxious time for John Hancock, the president, <laughs> and, and the guy that signed his name the largest, right? As his wife had just given birth to a baby girl, due to the complications stemming from the trip to Baltimore, the child lived only a few months. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is serious, people. These guys lived at a serious time. Well, they weren't just. It wasn't just flowery language when they say right. that they pledge their lives and their sacred honor. William Ellery signed at the risk of his fortune, and that proved only to be too realistic. In December of 1776, during three days of British British occupation of Newport, Rhode Island, Ellery's house was burned, and his all of his property destroyed. Richard Stockton, a New Jersey State Supreme Court justice, had rushed back to his estate near Princeton after signing the Declaration of Independence to find that his wife and children were living like refugees with friends. They had been betrayed by a Tory sympathizer who also revealed Stockton's own whereabouts. British troops pulled him from his bed one night, beat him, and threw him into jail where he almost starved to death. When he was finally released, he went home to find his estate had been looted, his possessions burned, his horses stolen. Stockton had been so badly treated in prison that his health was ruined and before and that he died before the war's end. His surviving family had to remain the had had to live the remainder of their lives off of charity. Carter Braxton was a wealthy planter and trader. One of his ships was captured by the British Navy. He loaned a large sum of money to the American cause. It was never paid back. He was forced to sell his plantation and mortgage all of his other properties to pay his debts. Thomas McKeon was so hounded by the British he had to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Continental Congress without pay and kept his family in hiding. Vandals or soldiers both looted or both looted the properties of Clymer, Hall, Harrison, Hopkins, and Livingston. Seventeen lost everything they owned. I could keep going. This is a, a little bit longer article. Not much. I'll link to it. But this is probably one of the most simplistic and one of the least descriptive of the hardships that these incredibly honorable individuals right. and their families endured. And it makes me kind of sad. Where are, where are those guys today? They're, I think that they're being steadily picked off by the, by the state apparatus and demonized individually as, well, they, as they try to start uh, things they up. absolutely are. I mean, look at what happened to Ron Paul in his presidential campaign. He was framed as a nut job, an as, idiot, as a as a crazy person, yeah. as a, a failed doctor. Look what's happening to his son Rand Paul, who has been very outspoken on, you know, and, re- and really challenged Fauci. And they say, oh, he's a failed optometrist. He knows nothing. He he knows nothing about viruses. Well, neither does Fauci, obviously. He's a failed optometrist. That's that's one of the things I've seen. <laughs> and he he has to endure his na- neighbors coming over and violently attacking him for no good reason. Right. I mean, look at the type of vitriol right. that the evil one has created over an apparatus that takes your money and uses it against you. And your family, and against truth and freedom. Right. They steal your money. That's what they do. And if you won't give it, they will take everything you own and throw you into prison. And if you start to speak up too much about it and expose their corruption, they'll SWAT team you. They'll throw you into jail. They'll find child porn on your computer. They'll suicide you. Whatever. Right. Whatever they need to do to maintain. Have we linked to the Barry Goldwater 
picture where he's holding the heart attack gun, him and Frank Church in the church hearings? The heart attack gun. Uh, I don't know, but I've... In the 70s, the CIA, it, it's public congressional knowledge that it was in the 70s, it came to light that they had a gun that would shoot a frozen dart. It was shellfish toxin that was frozen, and you'd shoot it into somebody's skin, and it would cause cardiac arrest, and then the, the dart would dissipate, and you couldn't tell unless you were a very well-trained professional and found the site and then did the chemical test. You could never find out what caused their right. cardiac arrest. That was in the 70s the CIA had this technology. Do you honestly believe people out there? I know I'm preaching to the choir. So that for your parents and everybody that's called you a conspiracy nut, do you honestly believe this, this type of technology would not be misused and that they don't have a hundred times worse stuff today? Well, they don't even need to be that clever today because you don't have a curious press that would even look into somebody being mugged and robbed, even though they still had all their belongings, you know, somebody like Seth Rich. Yeah, that was just a mugging. It's just a mugging that the mugger killed him, but didn't take anything. Didn't take anything. Right. It's not that we don't have a curious press. It's that we have a fully owned subsidiary of Satan Incorporated running around as our press. Well... Okay, now I'm. I feel like we're going to end on a depressing note. Well, if we yeah. Stop in the there. spirit of keeping this short, as we promised, as our holiday episode, and and maybe turning around, turning around the mood, um, we got a few more minutes, and I think that we should we should definitely honor these people, especially when you learn more about what they actually sacrificed, the founding fathers, the signers of the Declaration, and try to think about because we we pay a lot of lip service to them you know we we say that we're grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy and for those that made it possible well nowadays we're talking mostly about the military you know the people in afghanistan protecting our freedom and that that's always kind of been a head scratcher and not to disparage any of the soldiers because i think a lot of them volunteer for good reasons but they're not protecting our freedom in afghanistan no instead they're an occupying force to the people of afghanistan but the people that made it possible, that made all of this possible, it started with these signers of the Declaration. It started with them. And for the people who yearned for independence and freedom and liberty and understood what that meant and understood that to get there would mean they would have to go through hell, absolute literal hell. And they did it anyway. These were comfortable men, a lot of them, financially comfortable, socially comfortable, Right. They had everything they wanted. And they a lot of them. put it all on the line. And well, as we just read, a lot I'd of like them to, lost it. I'd like to end with something you might find funny, Bobby, here. But uh, my final thoughts are, are these. Everyone out there that's, that's listening, all, all of you compatriots, if, you, you know, if, if you're listening to this broadcast, you are the resistance. We are engaged in a battle for the for the mind of and the souls of individuals out there and it is in, is first and foremost an information war so getting back to where we started the movie independence day you guys are the humans and there's a bunch of space aliens that want to kill you and these space aliens are the ones that are pulling all the strings and manipulating all the information out there okay so you so we're engaged in a mind war this is not me inciting you to physical violence all right but I want to read President Whitmore's speech that he gives right before they, they make their last stand against the aliens. Because this is us. And that's... Um, and it's strangely 
What it's strangely act- inspiring, kind of like the speech in in Pacific Rim that uh, that the marshal gives before they go out to fight the the final battle. The I don't remember that speech. I've seen okay. that movie, but it was a I'm long not going to link to it. You guys go look to. Pac- but, pre- but President Whitmore is played by Bill Pullman. Uh, Bill Pullman, and uh, definitely a heroic figure in the in yeah, the we'll, in we'll, the movie. We'll link to the clip here, but he says, "Good morning, good morning." In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world, and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July, And you will once again be fighting for our freedom, not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win today, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our independence. Well, we're fighting for truth. If you're out there fighting for truth, do not go quietly into the night. Do not vanish without a fight. We must live on. We must survive. Today is Independence Day. I have a modern real-life equivalent. Can I read it? Yeah, go ahead. It's not as long, but it's just as... (laughs) just as important. It's just as inspiring. <laughs> this comes from the state of Utah COVID response. Oh no. They say, <laughs> Okay. Do we have to end on this? <laughs> they, they say, and this is real. They say we all want independence. So why can't we be independent from COVID-19? Let's celebrate independence this weekend not only for our country, but from the pandemic. By getting vaccinated. Vomit. I'm vomiting into the <laughs> microphone right now. <laughs> well, that's the level I of... I touched it with my tongue. Yeah. That's, that's where we're at. There's some contrast there for you. Um, and in a lot of ways, we are no, fighting annihilation. We are fighting annihilation. And it's all about truth. It's all about reality. Right. <laughs> you just... Gave us two incredible examples here on the podcast about them putting a blatant false, like a, like a, there's not, there's no dispute that these are false statements, Mm -hmm. a false reality, absurd, absurd, not, we're not talking eighth grade. We're talking like second grade playground insults against your intelligence. People do not go quietly into the night. Do not vanish without a fight. Live on. Help the truth live on. Figure it out. I mean, first of all, you've got to come to the truth. You have to be a rational thinker. You've got to solve and reconcile your cognitive dissonances. You can't run around and make statements like, oh, yeah, Dixie is racist because... It is. Because it, it is. Because it, it is. Haven't you listened it's, to... It's from the South. Yeah. Everything yeah. from the South is racist. And and I know, look, I'm not inviting you to to be contentious with people, but... And the reason it says in the scriptures that contention is of the devil is because it is. We would not have to be in a conflict if they would stop contending against reality. 
when you don't have to be contentious. When, and in fact, I find when I'm just saying it's not contentious to stand up for truth. When you just when you know the facts and you know the truth, it's easy just to state them, yeah, and do it in a calm, happy manner and move on. Right. And when they burn you at the stake, that will be contentious. <laughs> right. Right. Well, unless you're vaccinated. Unless you're vaccinated. Well, okay. I hope that you all find something fun to do this week and that you take advantage of the calm here before the storm, whatever's going on. We refrain from talking about some of our theories of where this is all headed. Well, uh, this coming remember, week... Remember, go ahead. This you coming this week, up. July 9th, is the WEF, our good, our good pals, which are, by the way, they've... The World Economic Fartum. This um this last week we've seen some we've seen a lot of praise for the 100th anniversary of this CCP in American press and by American journal <coughs> journalists, and also the WF the WEF has pushed the CCP it. is the Chinese Communist Party for those that right. are not aware. The WEF has put out a lot of propaganda pieces in mainstream type places like Forbes. Forbes is running an article with the headline, what we've seen before. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Well, this week, July 9th, the WEF has their cyber polygon cyber attack simulation planned. And so that's something to maybe keep an eye on because it's often those exercises, as we saw with the WEF, Gates Foundation, UN event 201 in October 2019, which was a pandemic response, which our actual pandemic response, I'm actual refers to response, not pandemic. Right. The actual response, the response that actually mirrored, mirrored that, that event. And so something to keep an eye on with this cyber polygon, because we have had some cyber attacks allegedly over the last, you know, few weeks ago, we had the one on the pipeline down in the southern United States. And then the meatpacking plant. we were told, and we've been told by both, in both cases, that it was Russian hackers. Anyway. But they got the Bitcoin back. So. The FBI. Keep an eye on, on that stuff. So, and but Bitcoin is secure. Don't worry about that. I know that by the time any of you listen to this, it will no longer be July 4th, but I hope, so I hope you had a great July 4th weekend. We'll try to pump this out. We're going to pump it out like tonight tonight this is like a super special episode coming to you from the command command bunker in the middle of the the rocky mountain defense fortresses <laughs> that you know <laughs> that we're all fleeing to in the last days our bunkers supposed to have windows <laughs> very thick windows <laughs> well, yeah we're gonna get it out tonight so we can go cl- climb those rocky mountains and have fun and i hope you all um yeah had a great holiday and don't take our independence for granted because it, it came at a great price. And the, the freedoms that we enjoy today, such as they are, need to be fought for and they need to be declared and they need to be redeclared and re They need to be seized. articulated. You need to be able to articulate this. Right. It is not right for people to take your money, steal your stuff, use it against you, teach your children with that money incorrect principles and to be stewards and stooges of the states you need to have control over that you need to come to everybody needs to come to a realization of the truth as much as they can and of good principles of good community principles which is that we respect each other's life liberty and property we do all that we agree to do and don't encroach on other people's persons or their property that's i'm going to 
post that up. That's a quote from Richard Mayberry, who wrote uh, the Uncle Eric series we talked about a few weeks back. Or in other words, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. In other words, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. All right, guys. We love you and thank you for listening. And we are going to sign off. Happy Independence Day.